Good morning to you. It's good to be here. It's good to see you here. I was just thinking this morning, my, my very first Sunday in church here, I don't remember. Matter of fact, I don't remember the second Sunday or the third Sunday or the fourth. I don't know when I started remembering, probably when I was about four or five years old. I have two goals here this morning. I have a major goal and two important goals. Maybe not quite as important. The first one is that God would be glorified. That's why we're here, and you're aware of that. And uh, that's, that's been a prayer of mine all along, that we would give glory to God for whatever has taken place in our lives and, and uh, for the place that he has in our lives and for what's before us. Psalm 115, 1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Secondary goal is that you would be encouraged in the faith. And that's probably going to be more a part of the service this forenoon. Uh, and the, the third goal is that you would be challenged to mission. And that's going to be part of this morning too, but, but possibly a little bit more this afternoon. I'll be sharing a bit more from our own journey as missionaries this afternoon. Uh, some of you know that uh, during about the last half of our time in the North, we were self-supporting missionaries. And during that time, I was, I was flying for a company called Laxul Airways. We were flying fishermen out. You've, many of you have heard this story before, but it bears repeating. We had, we had gone into a, a remote lake to pick up a party that had been out there fishing for the day. And as we were taking off, I heard on the airplane radio, can somebody please tell me where I am? Can somebody please tell me where I am? I didn't know if I'd say this, but as you might notice, sometimes I get kind of emotional, and the older I get, the worse it gets. Don't, don't get worried about that. I'm fine. Before I could respond to this radio call, somebody else responded to it. And they were, they were able to reach uh, the control tower at the Sulukaut airport. The, the person who was lost couldn't talk to Sulukaut, but, but by communicating through this other pilot, uh, so Lookout said, we can't hear them, but if they will key their mic, we can give them a, a compass heading to the airport, which they did, and uh, the airplane managed to make its way to Sioux Lookout Airport, and they landed with just a little bit of fuel left. Actually, I should probably tell you that this airplane had taken off from 
northern Minnesota and flew up into the bush country, in, into our area. Uh, interestingly, there was a brand new GPS that had just been installed in the airplane. And the pilot had not yet learned how to use the GPS. And they flew north and lost their way and didn't know where they were. You know, that's kind of a parable of so many people out in the world today. Can you tell me where I am? Can you tell me how to get where I need to go? Some of you have heard this before too, but it bears repeating. And in order for this to really affect you the way it should, it should be a scorching hot day outside. And you're wiping sweat. Somebody wrote this. He carries with him a portable faucet. Ice water is always instantly available from this remarkable faucet at the touch of a fingertip. The town is parched by summer drought. People loiter in the sultry air, dull-minded from the heat. Their tongues are swollen from their thirst, and their speech is thick and blurred. Fevered faces, lips cracked, leathery, dry, with thirst and thirst and thirst. Dust stirs and settles as they walk. The man with the portable faucet sips coolness from time to time himself, but he doesn't bother to offer anybody else a drink. They don't even know they're thirsty, he says, and maybe they don't. Brothers and sisters, we have that portable faucet. We're called to be missionaries. You are, not will be, not necessarily have been. You are a missionary. If you are a Christian, God has given you a mission, and it's very clearly stated. Maybe it's, well, it starts right where you are, and maybe it continues right where you are. But it's very important that we fulfill the mission that God has given to us. 2 Corinthians 4 7 says this we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I've often been impressed with Moses. When God came to him, Moses argued with God I'm not your man, I can't do it. I can't talk. God said, who made man's mouth? Who made the lame? Who made the man in need next door to you? <clears throat> we think we can't do it. 
But as God is with us, we can do what he asks us to do. And we need to be open to that. I'm going to be speaking for a little while here from 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> and I'm not going to be reading it as such, but I'm going to refer, be referring to quite a number of verses within this chapter. We have a lot of different versions around us today. And uh, in a lot of ways, I still prefer the King James. I'm not using it this morning, but some time ago, I was very, very challenged because of some things that were said just a little differently. And actually, uh, this comes from the English Standard Version, which is not a real common one. I was using it one year off and on, and, and uh, I was just very, very impressed with the way some of the things were said just a little bit differently. And it really caught my attention. It has inspired me ever since, to be very honest. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. What caught my attention was the ESV says, we have a faith equal to that of Peter. Is your faith equal to that of Peter? That was a completely new thought to me, that my faith would be equal to Peter's. We look at Peter as somewhat of a giant in the faith. He had his problems. He denied Jesus and, and uh, he was very quick on the tongue and sometimes regretted it. But we see him as a giant of the church. Actually, he goes on to explain that. The righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our faith is equal to Peter's because it depends on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Faith. Faith is foundational. It's a great need in our lives. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Sometimes we think, oh, we don't have enough faith. But are you exercising the faith that you do have? That's really the issue. As we exercise our faith, God helps it to grow. God works in our lives that that faith will grow. And verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need. His divine power has granted to us what we need to fulfill his will. And then verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And the the, the wording there was supplement your faith. Starting with faith, supplement that with goodness and supplement your goodness with knowledge. Supplement your knowledge with self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. For if you possess these things, 
If you have these qualities, they will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive. That is rich stuff. That's the meat of the Christian life. And it's what we need. Verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do, if you do these things, you will never fall. Occasionally we meet people that are so fearful. Maybe, maybe I can't hold out. Maybe I can't maintain my testimony. But we have a formula here from God himself to keep us in his will and in his way. And then I've, I've often been impressed with verse 11. And you will receive a rich welcome. The King James says, so an entrance will be ministered to you abundantly into his kingdom. How many people do you know? Or maybe you've had the thought yourself. I'm sure you have. I know I have. Am I going to be in heaven? If I can just, just make it. Peter says you don't have to just make it. If you follow in this way, you will be, you will be given an abundant entrance into the kingdom. And verse 16. He's saying when we preach the gospel to you. We did not come with cleverly invented stories. We weren't just making something up to catch your attention. When we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses. Of his majesty. I was working. I had to laugh a number of years ago. I was working with a man who. Had seen something unusual. And he was telling me. These very eyes saw it. Well that's exactly what Peter is saying here. We saw him with these eyes. And that's what we're telling you. We are first hand witnesses. Believe it. It's true. And we heard for ourselves the voice of God when we were there on the mountain with Jesus. We heard it and we saw it. Let's be encouraged with that and, and strengthened in our faith. And then at the end of that, verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This 
is the very word of God. Believe it. I don't think I have to convince you of that. I think you know that here. But I'd like to encourage you in that and spur you on. In light of this, I would like to say a little bit more. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. God's call is to all. And I've heard that on a number of occasions already this morning. It came out a number of times in the Sunday school class. God's call is to everybody. And for you, maybe it's right here. Or maybe God will lead you somewhere else. Be open to that. We used to often quote the words of Jim Elliot. You've probably heard it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. It's interesting that when God called Moses, Moses said, who am I? that I should go. It's interesting that so often, very often, when people are called by God, that's that's their inner response, and many times it's their outer response. Who am I? Like Gideon said, I'm, I'm from one of the least of the tribes, and my family is one of the least in my tribe. But God called him. God didn't answer Moses' specific question. He didn't answer that statement. He said, I am with you. I will be with you. Actually, the mission is God's. And to a certain extent, it doesn't really matter who we are. It doesn't matter as long as we're yielded to him and open to his leading. He has given us the great privilege of fulfilling his mission. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And, and uh, I referred back to Proverbs, and I don't know if you can specifically apply this, In Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And a lot of times that's misinterpreted, but it means train up a child in in his way. When we were operating the Christian school, we, we came into this thing of different learning patterns among different children. And you deal with different children differently according to their learning patterns and according to their personality. And that's actually what it's referring to there. Train up a child according to his bent, but train him in the way of the Lord. Now, I don't know if we can specifically say from that verse, but I know from other scriptures that God has a race for you to run. Run your race with God directing you as he calls you and as he directs. I often thought of the verse in Lamentations 3.27 that says it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. 
Some of, us, some of us are past youth, but I'd like to challenge the young people with that, and I thought I was a youth up until one day I realized that I thought I was still 17 for three times 17. And I think there is great wisdom in that. It's good for a person to bear the yoke in your younger days. Learn in your youth to follow God and to honor him. Uh, when you face different situations, identify quickly where you stand. Sometimes you come to, to situations where, where you could compromise or where you don't know quite how to respond. But if per, I, I guess I mainly grew up around Christian people. When we moved north, we were continually around mostly non-Christian people. And it was a bit different, but, but if you identify quickly that you somehow that you identify with Christ, the conversation will be different, the temptations will be different, the problems will be different. We talk sometimes about career missionaries. You and I are career missionaries all our lives as Christians. I at one time had a little bit of a problem with short-term missions. I thought, why can't people commit themselves to more time than just a couple weeks in the summer? I think I've basically gotten over that. Short-term missions do great good, and they're important. I was impressed again and again up north with the, with the good that it did the young people who came north for a week or two or more sometimes for the whole summer, and many times it led them into full-time full -time service. And there I go using that term, you are in full-time service wherever you are. Have you ever thought about, uh, I used to think about it every once in a while, what, what period in history would you have liked to have lived? You know, I thought it would have been nice to have lived before the flood, just to see what it was like. I would have liked to have lived at the time of David. Boy, there was a lot of war in the country. I've thought maybe I would regret that. We all think sometimes that it would have been nice to have lived in the time of Jesus. I think we are living at the greatest time in history. We're living at a completely different time in history. And I often think of, of where uh, Paul said to the people at Athens in Acts, God determined where people would live and when they would live. That's Acts 17, 26. That's my own words, but that's exactly what it says. So God put you here for this time. And if you're in the will of God, especially, he put you right here this morning for this time. The church around the world today is not facing anything new. But the North American church, particularly, is facing something that we have never faced before. And that's especially true here in the United States. 
In many, many ways, we're facing the encroachment of socialism all around us. We now have two, two and a half, maybe three generations of students who have grown up in our schools who have grown up without the Bible and without prayer and totally the wrong teaching about sexuality. We're facing a world that's different. We know that there's persecution in other places and we may be facing persecution ourselves. We see our crime increasing and we see in many ways the government is putting band-aids on something that needs major surgery because unless the heart of man changes this situation will become worse and worse and Jesus prophesied that. He said in the end times evil men and seducers will become worse and worse and there will be trials and troubles and problems and cares. Do we tend to throw up our hands? The psalmist said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But in the very next verse, this is Psalm 11, 4. The very next verse, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. God has never said, hey, Gabriel, come here. See what the people in the United States are doing now. That will never be said. God is not taken by surprise. How do we respond to all of this? I truly believe, and I could go into an hour or more on this probably. <laughs> I won't. I truly believe that we as a conservative evangelical church are right. And I'm not saying that on my own. I'm saying that on the basis of the word of God. And we need to maintain that. We're living in the age of Laodicea. And there's a whole series of studies on this. But one of the things that God says to the seven churches in Revelation is, Hold fast what you have till I come. It's very, very important that we hold fast to his word. And so as we respond to the, the situation that we're faced, as we respond to the mission that God has called us to, one of my first thoughts with this, and I asked another brother that one day, and that was his first answer, and that's pray. Look to God for direction. And then I thought, too, of Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of the Christian. Be armed, be prepared, yield to God. And another thing that has been mentioned several times here this morning, and I've been impressed by it, and that's live a life of integrity according to the scripture. I think we've probably all met people who had good talk and their lives didn't match up. And their testimony is basically gone. At the same time, I've met a number of very quiet people 
who lived a life of integrity. And that's noted. People see it. And it's an encouragement. Study the scriptures. Know the scripture. Be scriptural. Stand firm. Are we to be aggressive? I think that's an area where we have to let God lead us. I don't know if there's a definite answer to that question. For, for possibly different in different situations, we have to be open to God. I know that when we were working with the Christian School Association, uh, that, was, that was largely, well, it was non-denominational, and we met people from a number of different denominations. And I was a little disappointed. There was, at the time, a, a kind of a, at least a minor battle. In some places, it was a major battle with the government about whether we can have Christian schools. And I was disappointed that I found among some of these people almost an antagonism toward the government. I dare you to tell me I can't have a Christian school. That's not a Christian viewpoint. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I'm sure that there are times that we need to be aggressive. There's times that we need to be very careful, like Roman pointed out. Sometimes, sometimes we need to point something out very specifically, and other times we just need to live a life of integrity and let our lives speak. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've already said that God said to Moses, I am with you always. Jesus said exactly the same thing to the disciples before he left. I will never leave you. I am with you always. Did you ever think about it that in God we have light? And that's not just physical light. He created light before the sun came into being. We can make lights at night with our flashlight when the sun is behind us, behind the earth. In God we have light and life. And that's more than physical life. We have truth and love. We have mercy and grace. And mercy and grace yield to peace. And that gives us purpose and fulfillment. And God gives us justice and judgment. Jesus has taken our judgment as we look to him for salvation and life. And in him we have righteousness and joy and hope and rest and wisdom and understanding and knowledge. James says, if you lack wisdom, just ask God. I don't know if you've ever heard of Henry Blackaby. We used to hear him once in a while on Moody Radio in Air Falls. He was, a, he was a Canadian who lived in Saskatchewan. He started a church in Saskatoon in the, I don't know, 20s and 30s, somewhere in there. One day the witch doctor came to Henry and he said, I've put a curse on you and this church is not going to amount to anything. What would you do? Somebody, 
if somebody told you that. Henry said, you have absolutely no idea what you're up against. Hang on to it. The world around us knows abs has absolutely no idea what they're up against as God is with us and as we go forth in his name. Heavenly Father, we're so, so very grateful for your love and your care and your goodness, for your empowering. Thank you that you're with us always. Thank you that you have given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Thank you for each one here this morning and that you know us intimately in every detail. And Father, we would pray that you would lead us from here to honor your name and to lift you up, that you would be glorified and that people would be turned to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May God be with you.